You're listening to Lab Notes, your weekly guide to science and innovation. Hello, I'm Mark Enetpanos. And I'm Leo Stevens. And welcome to The Brief, where we cover two concepts from science and business. G'day, Leo. What have you got for us today? Hi, Mark. Well, today I'm going to be covering incubators. So business incubators are something that have proliferated quite widely over the last couple of decades. They're organizations that are designed to foster entrepreneurs and early stage businesses. Most incubators have a physical premises where they have hot desks or small offices that can be physically occupied by the startup companies. But they're very often supported by local governments and provide this office space for free or at a heavily discounted rate to what it actually costs to operate. But more importantly, they're they're not just landlords. Incubators are organisations that work to accelerate the growth of these startup companies themselves. They provide education sessions, networking, investor open days and advocacy on behalf of the resident companies. Notably, the popularity of incubators has really exploded over the last 20 years. The modern incubator model was born out of the Silicon Valley in the wake of the dot-com boom and bust. A lot of the people who were successful in those early internet companies reinvested their money to foster the next generation. Um, Models of Silicon Valley incubator programs like Y Combinator and 500 Startups, as well as seminal books like The Lean Startup Method and The Agile Manifesto, have come to underpin business incubator programs all around the world and how they're operating today. So are incubators for profit? There are for-profit incubators and probably more there are for-profit hot desking spaces. So if you... um, What is a hot desk? Yeah, so a, a hot desk is a shared space that it's just a simple set of desks that people can come into and leave at different times. You don't have a designated office. Uh, you, you basically pick a new one each day. But So we're currently in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic. Hot desk is probably not a good idea, I would say. I think most of people who were previously hot desking would now be working from home. Um, it's the sort of system of operation where you can just take your work anywhere, and that includes your home office. So the benefit comes from being in a shared environment with other like-minded people that are maybe at similar stages in the development of their startup company is that is that a correct way of describing it that's definitely part of the benefit certainly there's camaraderie um, and there's the ability to kind of talk through issues with the other startups that are in there but there's also a kind of really big benefit from the structured programs and the networks that are set up by the incubator themselves so they will you know, go to government organisations who provide grant funding, for instance, and get one of their representatives to come out to give a speech to all of the startups and guide them through the process of applying for grants. Or they might bring out an experienced business mentor from another hub that will then connect with these startup companies. So it's the ability to tap into these networks that you might not have been able to access if you were just on your own. That's, I would say, as important as the ability to talk with other founders as you're working through them. But Both of those things are very valuable for sure. So how do people protect their ideas if they're in this shared environment and they might come across something in a conversation with another startup company where they go like, hey, this is interesting. My general feeling is that 
it's actually really hard to implement an entrepreneurial idea. And even if somebody else tells you what their idea is, you've still got to do the hard yakka of actually building the business and creating the product and creating the service. So it's not just the case that if you happen to spill the beans in the conversation, someone else is going to run away with it. I think in most cases, these places are very open internally with talking to each other about their ideas and just having that ability to bounce the ideas off one another without really worrying about somebody running away with yours. And at what stage does a startup come into that? Is that literally like after this chat, I have an idea and I go like, bang, I want to set up a company, I'll go into an incubator or is it, is it a simple, can it be at any stage? It is at an early stage, so it would include people who have just had an idea and pitch it to this company. You would at least have to have a vague semblance of a business plan and a pitch deck that you would be able to present on that idea. But it probably goes up to then small companies of a couple of employees, maybe up to 10. Beyond that, if you've got 20 employees or 30 employees, really, you're probably needing your own space at that point. You've graduated from an incubator. So... Not everybody can get into an incubator, if I get that right, because you mentioned pitch deck and the business plan. You have to apply, and depending on the incubator program, they might have you know one in ten successful applicants. They might pick up you know ninety percent of their applicants. It, they will have a certain number of spaces available, and that will dictate how many they're allowed to accept. Anyway, we should probably move on to the next topic, um, which is from you, Mark, and it's about cooperative research centres. What can yeah. you tell us? The Cooperative Research Centre program is run by the Australian government and provides funding for up to 10 years of industry-led research collaboration. So the main focus has to come from industry and the main purpose of these programs is to solve problems identified by industry and that can improve the industry's competitiveness, productivity and sustainability. And as I just mentioned, the focus of these centers is very much on industries. And in many ways, they are like a bridge between industry, government, and academia. And in addition, they also work towards building capacity in education and training that can benefit Australian industries. So these CRCs are awarded every year and interestingly, there is no limit to the amount of fo- funding that is awarded. To give an example of this, in the last round, five centers were successful. One of them, relating to clean energy, received uh, $68.5 million from the government and was supported by $280 million from other sources. Although I should point out that the $280 million also includes in-kind contributions. The reported success rate for these centers is pretty high in the funding landscape at 30%. And it's obviously very easy to draw draw a parallel with the world of business as this is an industry-focused program. And this is very briefly the key aspects of the cooperative research centers. So you're saying that these centres are addressing industry challenges. Clearly they involve academics as well. Who actually applies for a centre? Is it the business or is it the academic? It's a joint centre application where it's a conglomerate. So a lot of times, if you think of academic grants, it would be an institution 
that is going to apply. But in this case, the cooperative research center itself applies as a center. There will obviously be a lead, but it's very much focused on the industry. So does the center itself then become a company, an organization that is separate to both the founding companies and the academic institution? Well, it's similar to what happens in academia. This CRC will become its own entity, as you like, with its own name, its own headquarters, its own directors, its own operating system. Can you give some examples of Australian CRCs? You said there was one of the Clean Energy Fund. How, how big are these centres? They are big. They are really big. So I've got some details here because I couldn't really remember them. So this one is called uh, Reliable Affordable Clean Energy Centre for towards 2030. And at a quick count, it involves nine universities and then I think up to 63 different partners. So that's huge. It's a lot of people involved, a lot of admin you have to do, but there's also a lot of money involved. Like as I, as I just said, this one has about $350 million over 10 years, so that's $35 million a year. That's a pretty big business. Yeah, definitely. In some of the previous Lab Notes episodes, I've interviewed some CEOs from these CRCs, including a Honeybee Products CRC and the yeah, SmartSat CRC, yep. so... They're definitely doing some interesting work and I guess designed around creating new industries from things that are a bit more complex and a bit more value added. By and, the and it comes from industry, which is a really cool thing, I think. It's very much focused on industry with help building bridges with government. So it's, it's run by the government. The program is run directly from a department of the government, whereas a lot of academic funding is run by an organization that draws its money from the government, but isn't necessarily a government organisation. There's still the ARC and the NHMRC. Yeah, so the Australian Research Council is linked to the government, but it's not a government department, if my understanding is correct. But this actually comes from the Department of Industry, the CRCs. All right, well, that's about all we have time for in the brief, in order to keep it brief. So thank you, Mark. We'll see everyone next week. Thank you, Leo. See you next week.